back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, December the 16th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hi. Mr. Bob Ryer. Where did the year go? And on the line with Ms. Stephanie Cook. Bahumbug. <laughs> so, uh, we are your home for all the Star Wars spoilers. We're going to spoil it all for you right now. None of us have seen it. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I'll just start reading tweets from people, but uh, yeah, it's as we. If you're listening to this, it's 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 a day before I'm gonna be seeing Star Wars, and I'm very. Oh, you're going on Thursday. Oh, I'm going on Thursday. Uh, I'm not going till Saturday. I'm going on Thursday. Yeah. Going with my mom. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, that should be a good time. Uh, so excited about that. Uh, it's really mm. the only thing that I'm thinking about is <laughs> going to see Star Wars. Can I plug my gig? I'm sure, for Karen appreciates that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she she she's it's it's it's, it's expected. It's this week. It's just one week of Star Wars. It's the week of, I, I, not only the fact that I have two, I've best of award stuff shit to do for this for this show. We're doing shit for the the game show tomorrow. Yeah, so it's a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, you have an article, right? Joe, it's going to be on Joe Blow. Yeah. Um. Yesterday, I got the chance to check out an open yesterday. Actually, in uh, Times Square, Discovery Times Square, there is a Star Wars and the Power of Costume uh, exhibition going on. It is twenty-seven fifty for adults. Uh, if you're a big Star Wars fan and you are going to be visiting and or live in New York City, you should definitely check it out. Uh, it's basically over 70 costumes and props uh, from the franchise all on display. Uh, each room ha- is differently themed and has different Star Wars music playing. Some of the setups in there were like, jaw-droppingly gorgeous there's one room i won't spoil it because i i did cover it but um there was one room in particular that like if i could have just pushed the thing out of the way and made it a part of like my bedroom's <laughs> decor i would just oh. live in that room it was gorgeous it looked like something out of a bjork video or, or something um but yeah i went there for joeblow.com and um i filmed and photographed the entire thing so if you can't make it uh, check out the article. I believe it's going up tomorrow. That being uh, Wednesday and or so today. Th- yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so either Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, depending on what happens with the video portion, because I wasn't supposed to do video. Oh, okay. But I did it anyway. Breaking the rules. Because I had a job to do. Breaking the rules. So, um, but yeah, it was excellent, and um, the photos are crazy so you're definitely going to want to check that out i'll be posting that on my facebook and uh twitter throughout the week uh please check it out cool 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 yeah 
Do anything else in New York while you were wandering the city? Uh, I went to Toys R Us for nice. I guess what's going to be the last time. What, what? What? Huh? They're closing Toys R Us. I didn't know that. You want to know why? Why? They're making a well. This is what I've heard: a multi-level Target. Well, that's not. I'm sure it's closing because it's not doing the business it's well, supposed yes. to do, and they're going to put a Target in there. Uh, yeah. Wasn't like Target was like Toys R Us. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> ah, so it was FAO Schwarz and Toys R Us in the same year. So I took a photo with the Lego version of the FAO Schwartz. Uh, what the hell would you even call him? Toy Soldier? Toy Soldier. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking of the Buckingham Palace dudes. Yeah, that's it, with the Busby. Um, yeah. All their stuff is discounted. Their dinosaur is broken. The giant Jurassic what? Park. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. been there for 20 years. He moves. He makes noise. But his jaw won't open. So when he roars, he's just kind of like angrily grumbling that the store is closing. He's right. Down. He's sad. Yeah. See, it's, 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 it needs to close. It's falling apart. Uh, I bought a Lego creator set because I'm nearly 35 and still <laughs> yes. love Legos 9 to 12, my ass. <laughs> and um, where else did I go? I went to Midtown Comics for like two minutes. I never buy anything from there. I like going in just to like see what's on the shelves. Mm-hmm. They have incredible variants. But beyond that, I just I don't shop there. So, uh, and then I went to Jamba Juice, which is my- Very exciting. My, oh, dude, I have no idea. <laughs> that mango agogo with a shot of whey protein. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, mm. That's your day made right there. No nice. Shake Shack or uh, Papaya King or Orange no. Julius or, no? I don't really eat when I go out. I eat before I go out for reasons. Uh, reasons, huh? Yes. Uh, no, but it was a good time. The Star Wars thing is, it got me, like, if I was pumped for the movie, I am super pumped now. Um, especially to have seen some of the newer outfits and costumes and stuff like they had a whole wing dedicated to the new stuff and um, the villains this time out, like the stormtrooper outfits and stuff like that are in the higher ranking um, Imperials or whatever are really, really cool. Mm-hmm. There's like a, almost like an augmented Darth Vader suit. Like it looks like it's the same breathing mechanism in one of the things about like a like a streamlined version of it and it's not as like bulky and helmety as the original but um i don't know man that they uh it's pretty cool they also had three like digital mirrors on the wall that you step in front of it and it scans your body and it changes you into a random star wars character and then you could move around and like you know the image will move mm-hmm. with you like i was c3po and i was making them do the egyptian dance mm-hmm. and crap like that it was a good time nice. Very nice. Uh, what's going on with you, Stephanie? Oh, you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. Just been working on this site thing mm-hmm. and staying up till 5 a.m. trying to make it stuffy. You stay up to 5 a.m. anyway. I only got an hour and a half of sleep. That's I'm so tired. Not a lot of sleep. And at this time, it wasn't for Fallout. Mm. <laughs> that's true i did play fallout yesterday though. okay <laughs> but during the day and until reasonable times yeah i yeah. gotcha i've been good and now that i've like figured out the level up thing where they're just like you know full of lies um <laughs> I, I now that it's all figured out i'm i'm better i'm happier i'm angry that i have so many shitty level ups mm. What that you, I didn't. Because you didn't realize you could pick whatever you wanted, right? That's what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Oh, you were going in order? Mm-hmm. Malarkers. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can go anywhere you want. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, but she's talking about the upgrade tree or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can pick whatever you want, but she didn't realize that. Oh. Because it doesn't work like a regular upgrade tree. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. 
It's so, okay, Steph. I still haven't uh, used the VATS system. I've been running around that game the entire time without using VATS. So. That's craziness. What's VATS? Uh, they never told you that you had it. They mentioned it, <laughs> but they were never like, press L1 to go into VATS. And I've never used it. I've been, you know, aiming down sights with shitty pistols. I mean, time. the good thing about it is that it's better aiming down sights than Fallout 3 was. So it's at least sort of a shooter now, which is better. Um, but that's that's enough of the game talk. We're gonna plenty of that talk over the next uh, the, the, uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. Game of the year deliberations tomorrow. Oh boy, should well, be fun. We're crowning everything tomorrow. We're gonna too, crown. Right? Yeah, we'll, oh. yeah. Well, we're only doing game of the year stuff. So any game of the year. Right. We're doing a top ten list. Right. So we're gonna argue out a top ten list. I think we're also um, as a group. I think we're gonna follow that up with. Um, we're gonna pick a couple of like categories like mm-hmm. maybe three or five categories and then go through our personal lists right, right. on like a on another podcast yeah no debating to pick winners just like these are my favorite moments of the year yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah but uh yeah but tomorrow we're actually gonna pick the game of the year yeah. we're Ga- gonna, gaming right. stuff is tough because it's like time is is a factor right so you're somebody that might have beaten something that's 70 hours plus like the witcher and you've only and the other person's only gotten like maybe 12 none of you fools beat metal gear it's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a dude thing. i'm i'm like right at the tail end of that thing. i know but nobody no none of you guys beat it no but i've played a lot the, more metal gear than anybody else i know the ending is cray cray don't uh, worry man <laughs> i got you i got your back uh anyway we'll, we'll hear more of that tomorrow on the, on the on the talking games side of things um so we got some comic books to talk about there are comic books that came out but before we what? get to the comic books <gasps> Did did anybody watch the X Men Apocalypse trailer? Uh-huh. I did. I did this because I was like, I bet they're gonna talk about it. <laughs> I was like, as a member of a podcast about <laughs> comics, I feel fairly confident that it will not go to waste if I watch this trailer. It's true. It's true. And, and uh, then lo and behold, Bobby's like, "Wow, <laughs> I was just right." You're very right. So, what did you think of the trailer, Stephanie? It was pretty good. I was exceptionally happy that Halle Berry wasn't in it. I, <laughs> I was knew just you like, were wow, finally that. Storm isn't awful. <laughs> yeah, that was a highlight for me. That was a, a true highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, James McAvoy without hair, my crush is gone. <laughs> um, let's see, Bender? Oscar Isaac, creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, why didn't they just let Rose Byrne keep her accent? Like, Moira McTaggart is supposed to be Scottish. Like, well, Rose Byrne isn't Scottish, is no, she? No, I know, but like, <laughs> my point being is, it's like, why make her use an American accent, though? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I don't know what they, what the first, the, the, the X Men first class reasoning was, to, but they made her like a CIA, a CIA agent, agent yeah. or something like an American CIA agent. So I think that's probably why. But I, I don't know either why they didn't do that. That's dumb. It's weird that they cast a. It is weird they cast a British actress to play an American version of a. a, yeah. a of an of a Scottish it's character. True. It's, it's a weird. True. <laughs> um, there are apparently, no yeah, Scottish I, actresses. I really enjoyed it. I was like, I'm actually excited for it. This is not that I wasn't excited to begin with. I mean, cool. It looks cool, but I I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I watched it on the site. Where we're posting trailers. Hint. <laughs> that site is toddcombooks.com, if you guys didn't yep. know. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve, yeah. as our resident X-Men humbugger, what did you think of the trailer? Bah. <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's cool. It's, uh, see, this is what happened last time. They, they cut a nice trailer for Days of Future Past, 
and I got all optimistic and excited. And then they made a really good movie. <laughs> I thought it was all right. Um, First Class is still, I think, is still the best one. I don't agree with that. But... I know you don't agree with it, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> X, X2. 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 United. Yeah. Okay. It's still the best. Um, we forget about the subtitle. I, I hate yeah. the subtitle. <laughs> They threw them on like right at the end. They're like, oh, X-Men United. I'm excited for uh, Apocalypse. Yeah. For sure. Um, I I like that actor a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have, my friend is, that's his favorite villain of all time. So he's been like really pumped. Like I had him sit down and watch the trailer. And I mean, he was like giddy Mm -hmm. in his chair. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of the characters, like they're introducing Jubilee. Uh, Nightcrawler looks spectacular. And... um, it's so all right. So Mystique is kind. It of, looks like she's joining the X Men. The X Men's, yeah. And no makeup this time because well, that we didn't see in the trailer. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I'm. I bet she'll have makeup at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think she'll ever be naked with the makeup on. I think that, but she'll have like the X Men suit on or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm going to go and see it. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. Um, there's just, there's so, I feel like every other day we're getting another trailer. We are. We got something. We got, uh, Star Trek. And Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah. And yeah. all up on the Ninja website. Turtles. And Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Come on. Okay. I didn't post that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you. I was just like, hmm, nah. No. Wow. The Ninja Turtles trailer? You yeah. this. I will say this. I will say this. The character models for Bebop and Rocksteady look incredibly good. I don't know what that movie is going to turn out to be like. It's probably going to be shit. Yeah. But the character models for them, they look exactly like they did in the cartoon. The turtles still look creepy to me. Yeah, but they're a little bit brighter. This time they changed uh, the greens on them. It's they changed more the like noses. The, like they have like lips. It's oh, dude, I get it. Trust weird. me. I totally lips. get it. It's but they, they have lips. They've redesigned them. They scaled them down a little bit to make them a little smaller so they don't look like Transformers. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be a miracle if they actually like descend from somewhere on high and the, the rubble doesn't crush beneath their feet, <laughs> which is completely ridiculous. Uh, Shredder doesn't have a helmet anymore. What's his face? Um, Medea is Baxter Stockman. Mm-hmm. So Ty, what is his name? Tyler Perry? Tyler Perry. Okay. Um, it, and Steve Amell is- as That's as Casey Jones. Casey Jones. I love that. <laughs> without hair. <laughs> he's got the he's got the arrow cut going on. Well, yeah, um, I, I'm glad because if, if they put a there's he wears so many horrible yeah. long haired wigs and arrow. I'm glad that they didn't put another <laughs> one on him for Casey Jones. Uh, and Megan Fox almost doesn't say a damn thing in the trailer, <laughs> in which the trailer. also has me excited. But they we do get that shot of her, you know, tying up her her shirt because she means business. Yeah, yeah. So whatever. Yeah, it's probably going to be crap. Mm-hmm. But I I do think that they're doing a better job this time out making it at least look like it's going to be fun. Rocksteady riding a giant tank down a waterfall. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I probably will see it. We'll I went see. opening day last time. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. So there oh, you yeah. Go. Anyway, back to X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I <laughs> I, I thought it looked good. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much a fan of all of the Singer X-Men movies. I, I don't... I mean, X-Men 1 is very sort of out of date at this point but at the time i really enjoyed it x2 i mm-hmm. still think is great and then of course the two in the middle are very bad x3 and or, or x-men origins wolverine are bad movies um uh but I, I really like days of future past and this looks like 
increasingly going kind of more more comic booky as they sort of go along no wolverine uh to be seen in in the trailer which is a very interesting thing i I, there's rumors that he is going to be in the movie in some form or fashion but uh i love that we start with gene i think that's a a great place to start and we sort of get hints of all of these other people coming around that that one shot of uh angel with the the archangel wings is is great um you know i i'm anxious to see what they do with oscar isaac as as apocalypse i love that one shot where he's like giant and he's holding down yeah um i think it's xavier i think on the on the floor um that's very very cool i don't know if that's just like in xavier's head or if that's what's actually gonna what's actually gonna look like but yeah i think it looks it looks great and and i'm excited for it i I think that uh i think singer said this is probably his last one of these and then they'll pass on to somebody else but who knows i don't know is that the deal with apocalypse that he was the first mutant yeah that's kind of the deal yeah okay yeah okay yeah. What is his power set exactly? Uh, he has a lot of powers. He's everything. Yeah, he has everything. Yeah. <laughs> Strong and mental and fires blasts and does the whole... He's Galactus on land? Not to that level, but yeah. He's a bigger bad than Magneto. Okay. And that kind of stuff. Mm. See, that was about the year I checked out of the books. Mm-hmm. I was sort of drifting, so I am not a big Apocalypse fan. What did you think of the trailer, Bob? I love the trailer. All right. And I'm I'm psyched to see the movie because there is plenty of tension between the characters. You can see there's something meaningful happening, which is really cool. The action sequences that you're teased show power sets we haven't seen before, things we haven't seen. We've seen tons of Wolverine slicing people. We've seen mm-hmm. optic blasts, whatever. Now, th- those angel wings are really cool. Fun seeing Jubilee and what that's going to bring to all this. Storm looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's the old Mohawk punk look, which, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. The timeline's a mess. But, as you're saying, Bobby, he's moving towards some amalgam of everything mm-hmm. that, that in this cinematic universe of it is going to work. Mm. It is all going to finally come together, I think. So if he's going to go out with a bang, this is this is the storyline to pick, I'm pretty sure. So Yeah, I mean, I think the kind of get ingredients, like minutia of, 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 of canon here, but I, I think the idea is that Apocalypse sort of an apocalypse. Days of Future Past sort of resets things, and they it does sort of like that, you know, two thousand and nine Star Trek thing, where mm-hmm. it's like all this stuff actually it still happened, but now there's sort of this other junction point, junction yep. point, and now we're on that junction point. Um, so we get to see you know Sophie Turner as as uh, Jean, and and she can grow into that role. They don't have to like you know switch it over. Uh, her another British actress using an American accent. That's gonna be weird. I think for for me seeing her outside of something like Game of Thrones mm-hmm. into that role, uh, that's gonna take me some time. <laughs> Even in the trailer, it was like it's so. Oh, oh no, it's not. Okay, <laughs> see, I don't know her much from that. So I uh, yeah. these people She's are all very good in that show. Very very good. I've only got about four seasons of that to catch up. On, <laughs> yes, so. you do. Uh, so so yeah. So that's so I was I I, I was very impressed by it. Um, I I think of of the three big comic book trailers that came out in the last month or so, I think that was the one that I liked the best actually. Uh, so I was excited about that. More than that. Cap? Yeah, more than Cap. I you know I I'm I'm more excited for Captain America: Civil War, but I liked the X Men Apocalypse trailer better. Okay then. Yeah, uh, you know other uh, other trailers. Obviously, the the Fantastic Beast trailer is very light on footage, but it's just cool to see that world's coming back, that that Harry Potter world coming back. So I'm excited about that. Ah. Um, and I have 
this is another place to talk about it. I have lots of thoughts on that Star Trek trailer, but <laughs> no comment. Lots of lots of, of thoughts. Gallery. Lots of thoughts. But, but Simon Pegg's writing it. It'll be okay, right? Yeah, I, I just think it was a bad choice of song. It's tough. It's tough to say in a minute and a half. It's a teaser trailer, you know. Uh, and I fully know because believe me, I'm. I'm. There's not a lot of people who are bigger fans of the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie than me. Uh, I mm. know that they use that song in the in, in the in that movie because I was like, oh, but they use it. I know. I know. I just think for a whole trailer, it just doesn't work because I think that um, from also they said pre-release, uh, Justin Lin, who's directing it, uh, obviously most famous directing Fast and the Furious stuff, um, is a huge Star Trek fan. He's been a Star Trek fan since he was eight years old. Uh, Simon Pegg obviously is like a giant Trek fan. So all they said in the lead up was that it was going to sort of go back more towards that original stuff. And this trailer shows none of that. I mean, some of the footage looks a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. There's some cool adventure looking stuff going on in there. Um, I, I love, I love those actors in those roles. I think Carl Urban is just so good as bones. I think he's very funny and I love Chris Pine as Kirk. And so I, I, I I'm in to see the movie. I just think if, if they're going back to that, other, back to a more adventure, less action place, um, the, the trailer didn't really put that forward at all. And, and so that I was disappointed by that. Um, just because of what they've been saying to the lead up, and then the trailer came out. There are moments in it that lead you to think it could be there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I, at least I'm not going to die alone. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's very funny. Yeah. And it, as part of, <laughs> you know, it's at some level it seems like the old Star Trek three. Mm. You know, we're, we're some planet, and the ship is right. Yeah. Those haven't seen the trailer. Ship blows up a yeah. lot. Yeah. A lot. It blows. Yes. Up. <laughs> So there's that. It's okay on our wits and not all the equipment. And then it's all equipment and stuff blowing up and yeah. running around and shooting and jumping and yeah. falling off mountains. Yeah. And who knows like when all that stuff is from, if that stuff might be from the beginning of the movie. You know, yeah. you don't know obviously cause it's a minute and a half. Um, and I, Justin did a big interview where he talked about all this stuff today, where he talked about all the reactions to the trailer and all that stuff. And he said, you know, there's a lot of versions of that trailer that we did. And he said, the reason we put it in that song in there was less to show like, this is the tone of the movie and more like, we're willing to take risks and, and do things out of the box. Like that was like the idea of that trailer, um, which I, I can understand sort of the thematic reason to do it, but I just don't think it worked particularly well. And I didn't say, I, I said I wasn't going to get into it, but those are my thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually going to say, yeah, <laughs> I think it looks like fun. It, and I'm sure it will be fun. I have no, I have no doubt yeah. it will be fun. I like both those movies. What um, do you have against fun, Bobby? <laughs> uh, you have any thoughts, Steph? Uh, no, pertaining really. to the Star Trek trailer. Okay. They they also posted a, a sort of look at oh. Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, that little that, that was from like mm -hmm. that DVD set they put out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, well, no, he oh. tweeted um, um, Louis Desposito uh, tweeted a photo from the set. Oh okay. Okay. It's on our site, Bobby. Oh, right. The set for like the Sanctum. Ugh. Yes. Okay. Yes. I know what you're talking about now. Keep up. And they announced, they finally, they announced that the guy who wrote yeah, Sinister later. with, uh, with, with, uh, Derrickson. Scott Derrickson. With, with Derrickson. Uh, C. Robert Cargill is, uh, writing the script, wrote the script for Doctor Strange. They just kept it under wraps for this year or whatever. Yep. We'll see what happens. Did you see the trailer for, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings? No, I don't know what that is. It is uh, the next <laughs> movie from Leica. The people. Oh, oh, yeah, like I heard about Paranorman this. Paranorman, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coraline. Uh, yes, it looks amazing. Is it up on our site, Steve? It's not because I was visiting my congestive heart failure grandmother in the <laughs> hospital today. Okay, all right, okay. 
<laughs> she knows we texted about it. She was very sweet. She's doing better, by the way. I watched a lot of trailers this week. I watched that BFG trailer. I think yes. Looks good. Yes. Uh, you know the Roald Dahl book, the BFG? Oh, okay. uh, it's the Spielberg-directed version of, of that, which I think looks cool. Um, so yeah, let's. But let, now let's move on to some comic book business here. Um, Stephanie, I'm gonna have you go first. Okay, let me pull up my list. Okay. Let me let me pull up my list. We didn't really none of us talk about what we were talking about. Well, so, uh, Bob sent an email. Steve sent an email. Steve sent an email. I probably yeah. won't steal your things. Yeah, don't worry if you steal my things. I don't really care. I'll, I'll just jump in if, if you end up stealing anything I read. Cool. All right. Mm-hmm. And three minutes and go. All right. So I continued reading The Kitchen, which is Ollie Masters and Ming Doyle, um, which is kind of like the only thing I can describe it as is like a Martin Scorsese gangster mob movie, but starring women. Um, instead of Leonardo DiCaprio, um, <laughs> you've got like Kate Winslet, like busting down some doors or something um, and and taking no hostages. It's it's really good. It's really good. I really like Ming Doyle's art. I think she has that gritty, um, noirish kind of look down, and it, it's a great book for her to be on. Um, I read uh, Gotham Academy, caught up with volume two. Um, Bob has been singing the praises of this series um, since I kind of fell off of it for a while. So he's been you know holding holding down the fort there, um, and. I just got to say, I love maps. I just want a whole spinoff series of maps. I love Gotham Academy. Don't get me wrong. I love Olive. I love Pommeline. Um, the whole gang is great, but maps. <laughs> I would read an entire book dedicated to her. Um, like, you could do so many things with her. You could do a kid's comic like Dora the Explorer style, but with maps. Like, <laughs> do it up, DC. You have opportunities. Um... That being said, speaking of the Fletcherverse, um, I read Black Canary, issues two to five. I didn't realize I was that far behind on it. I'm really sorry, Brendan. Um, he doesn't forgive you. He just told yeah. me. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Brendan. Um, it's so good. I can't say enough good things about this series. I love the art. I love the story. And I can't believe that it's taken people this long to come up with an arc for Black Canary in which she's in a band. Like, how did no one think of that until now? It is the perfect story for her. It's perfect. I love it. Um, and I think that's that's it. I'm going to save my last thing to talk about for Bug of the Week. All right. Oh. You did a good job. 40 seconds, Stephanie. Yes. That's two weeks in a row. You've come High under five the myself. time. Yeah. Under the time. Yes. Good job. Now, having Gotham Academy two weeks in a row was pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. The Robin War one was this week, right? Yep. You. And then we're moving into the yearbook territory, which is supposed to start introducing some new characters, too, from what I heard at the convention. Mm. ba boom Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. All right, Steve, you ready? Yeah. You've got three minutes, and go. So... I don't want to talk about this for too long, because <laughs> I don't want to spoil We talked about it a lot before the show started. Mm -hmm, we did. Batman 47 dropped this week past week and it was pretty damn good um they should have titled this issue uh revelations because there's quite a bit of that 
in here. Um, just the table, the tables are turning. The wheels, the wheels are grinding, <laughs> and all of that good stuff. And uh, did just, the wheels on the bus go round and round? Yes, they did. Cool. And then they flipped over on Gotham Bridge, and Batman <laughs> had to swoop in and do his do his duty. Uh, just lots of really cool stuff. It's kind of like the mid break and mid arc, I guess, which is weird seeing as it's like part six mm-hmm. of this of this Bloom business. But um, super heavy. Yeah, just the villain is so so good. Like it's easily one of my favorite Batman villains of all time in in this arc for sure. Um, I would love it if uh, Andrea Letamente that she does the Arkham Asylum podcast if she would tackle Mister Bloom. I should tell her to do that. Hmm. Uh, sticking with Batman, I checked out the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover oh. one of six. I gotta tell you, how does this work exactly? Okay, well I'll I'll, I'll give it to you in just one second. It's uh, James Tynan the fourth. Uh, Freddie E. Williams the second on uh, art and cover, uh, Jeremy Colwell on colors, He's and the Tom Napolitano <laughs> He's the first. letters. <laughs> so the deal is that the Foot Clan have been um, going around to different uh, like science labs and and plants and things, and they're stealing parts. Um, and one of the parts that they need is a generator, and the only place that actually has that generator is Gotham City. Of course. So they come to Gotham City. And the turtles are like, you know, what are they up to? What are they building? What are they doing? So they follow them to Gotham and they're kind of like slumming it in the Gotham sewers. And they stumble across Croc, who's walking around down there with his crew. And um, Batman gets wind that there's like, you know, more than one weird reptilian um, person running around. And because they're working in the shadows and they're only showing up when the foot shows up and stuff like that, he becomes suspicious of the turtles and basically decides to, you know, Batman them. Smart move um, on his part. Yeah. There's some, it's really, it's, you know, for for crossover, Ninja Turtles and Batman, like I kind of, I laughed to myself. I'm like, am I really, am I going to buy this? And it's it's cool. It's fun. It's a it's a solid. If the backbone, if the reason that they came together didn't make sense, then perhaps I I would have just dismissed this and and not collected the rest of it. But it actually works, and it's a lot of fun. And um, the art from Freddie E. Williams is fantastic. Although I will say his Batmobile is a little weird. <laughs> and I'm done for now. You are. How many of those are there going to be? Six. There's going to be wow. six. So, um, Tony Beardsley actually asked about how the book was. So you answered that question already. Um, but we had another question that came in sort of relating to this. Um, it's for the, for, it's for the, it's for the whole gang. Um, geek planet blog says because Batman and TNT looks really good. What is your favorite crossover? Oh, good Lord. That Um, That you've read recently. Uh, probably the Nailbiter and Hackslash mm-hmm. crossover that came out earlier in the year, just yeah. off the top of my head. Um, that issue was a lot of fun, and it those two worlds fit together so well, and it was kind of two stories uh, that were featured in that comic, and both both sides of the coin, um, just really, really, it, it works. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same territory. And they even like changed up the story or added an element of the mystery of Buckaroo to fit the Hackslash universe, and you it was totally believable. You know, if you know from both universes, you'd be like, yeah, like that actually makes sense a little bit. Um, I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, I actually had that on the long list for my uh, end of the year mm. stuff. 
but I don't know yet. We'll see. We'll have to wait. Gotcha. Uh, that uh, seven, that Chew Revival one was, was good, right? You read that one, right? Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed that. I need to catch up on that book, actually, uh, Chew. I, I'm working on Revival, but I'm missing an issue, so <gasps> I gotta go back and find it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, Bob, I think I know what you're gonna say, but let's- What's that? About cr- favorite For, crossover, crossover of anything of- Ever. I mean, comic book form. Comic book, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say Freddy versus Jason. Though yeah, I really like that a lot. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably Batman Captain America by John Byrne. Set during World War II. You've got all the villainy you can imagine because you've got Nazis and the Joker in the same book and the Red Skull. Yikes. So there you go. There you go, indeed. It's a hell of a lineup. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Bob, you ready for your lightning round? Oh, sure. Um... Let's see here. I gotta get my my countdown clock back on. I need to I, for for the new year. I need to get like a a big countdown clock just to put on the wall. A, a big. Yes. I, I can hit a button and be like, "Time now," and you can all see your time running down. Oh, it just be it should just be like fake dynamite and a and an old school <laughs> yeah. clock. No, like 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 in a sports arena. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That would yeah. be really distracting. I'd constantly <laughs> be looking up at it. Uh, Start talking like the micro machines guy <laughs> in the last fifteen seconds. All right, so we've got three minutes on the clock, and Bob, go. Okay, the Marvel, sorry, Gwenpool holiday special was a really nice Christmas assortment of, of stories, all wrapped by a Charles Soule scripted Langdon Foos illustrated She-Hulk story, wherein Jen has to keep the office Christmas party going all through the morning, otherwise extra-dimensional mystical bug monsters will take over the place. <laughs> Always. Well, of course. Now, there are also uh, vignettes featuring Ms. Marvel, who has the holiday blahs, Kate Clint and Deadpool, and of course, Gwen Poole, who is Gwen Poole. Now, granted, this was six bucks, but I think a fair price to pay for tons of good holiday cheer. It's a, it's hefty. You can never put a price on holiday cheer. Hey, exactly right, especially with all those fun, ugly sweaters on the cover and everything else. Spider-Gwen 3 hit all the right notes and continued to expand Gwen's world and others. She spends some time in the main Marvel Universe chatting with Jessica Drew about finding her center. Now, back home on Earth-65, what is Matt Murdock up to? And will he be friend or foe to Captain Stacy when everything comes to a head? <gasps> the, uh, the Ultimates number two... Uh, just a fabulously cosmic book that takes us back from the beginning of this new multiverse all the way back to the survivor of the still older one before that who would become Galactus, the devourer of worlds. Uh, Al Ewing's story makes great use of Marvel's deep time while staying grounded through fine character work with his present-day cast, and Kenneth Rokefer's art is simply stunning. You should take a look. We have a nice friend having that cover, but we said so many bad things about him during the <laughs> Red Hood of all those other days. Yeah, it was, uh, was it was, it? Uh, Titans. Teen Titans. Titans. Yeah, it is just awesome, really spectacular. Uh, the next two are both from the pen of Marguerite Bennett. DC Bombshell Six gives us a longer look at Mera, and some of the storylines really begin to to collide in interesting ways. It seems to be pointing toward the grand finale of where this is all sort of headed. Uh, lots of fun characters there, and. Ms. Bennett also created and scripted Insects 1 for Aftershock Comics. And that's a mystical, creepy, yet very sensual tale of how two women seek to escape the repression of Victoria Erie in London through some rather outre means of building a family. I don't want to say too much. The art uh, by Ariella Christentina provides the gateway to all the weirdness that this script calls for. This is a heck of a lot of fun, and Aftershock has a new company. It's Mike Mars, who was with DC for years and Marvel. Mm-hmm. 
got a lineup of great careers. There's a Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmy Auto book coming this week, as a matter of fact. So Aftershock, which has to be bought physically for right now. For all of you folks who want to go digital, ha! <laughs> you have no choice but to go to your comic book store, but uh, it's really an amazing, amazingly creepy book. Those who are liking things like Harrow County or maybe even Lock and Key, there's some Ooh. weird stuff going on here. Those are the two magic words. Speaking yeah. my language, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you'd like to borrow, you can I will borrow. actually borrow because yeah. I would like to read it. All right, good job, Bob. Uh, speaking of uh, digital series, the Supergirl digital series they just announced today. Yeah, oh, yeah, digital first. Uh, Sterling Gates, I know, is writing the first take out it, and I know Bengal is doing some art for it as well. Yeah, um, gonna work obviously just the way the other ones the other ones do, but uh, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Yeah. It was, it, it's been front. weird that with the show doing so well that there wasn't a book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sad. I, I talked about it a bunch more before the, the kind of convergence time, but I was really enjoying the Supergirl arc that just before the ending uh, with uh, Emmanuel Lupicino uh, doing the art on that. And then um, uh, Mike Johnson and I can't remember her name and it's killing me. I got to look up who wrote was writing it with him. But great, great little arc on that. So I'm happy to see it coming back and I'll definitely be picking that up because I was really enjoying it. Anyone catch up on the show? Uh, Mid-season finale was Monday. Right, that's right. I am halfway through the latest episode, okay. so I'm I'm pretty caught up. I'm gonna have to do it in in a big lump. I the CBS doesn't do Hulu; they don't put their shows really? on Hulu, hmm. which is weird because when Hulu first started, it was started by Les Moonves. <laughs> And somebody else, let's move as if you don't know, yeah, is the head CBS. of CBS. Um, I know you know. I'm saying yeah, for the more than we, the universal way. So it's weird that way. So I'm gonna have to probably end up buying it on Vudu or something like that. Buy like the season pass and then just watch it that way. Um, but yeah, I want. I really want to do. I do really want to catch up on it. But so yeah. But the, we both that and Shield I have to catch up on. So it's good now. We have a yeah, break. I haven't seen Shield probably in about three episodes. Yeah, we have a break. So I get that to one, catch that up. one ended well too. That's what I heard. I this heard season of Shield well. has been awesome. For very good things. Very, yeah, very it's, good. In things. my opinion, it's the best one that they've done so far. Cool. I'm excited to, yep. to check that out. All right, my time now. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to quickly echo uh, what Steve said about Batman. It's just a. Uh, I, I think this whole Gordon arc has been really awesome, and I'd say End Endgame was great as well. It's been a really great year for for, for Batman. I think a better year than. The year before was zero year. I think this has been a, a much better year, um, much more engaging, much more fun, uh, and and it feels this arc especially feels a lot more like in just the the brashness and, and what he's doing, like the first the Court of Owls stuff. You know, I'm I'm more on my toes in this than I've been in anything else since then. Where I just don't know what's coming or what's going to happen. And this issue where I I thought things were going to crystallize a little bit, things got even crazier uh, in, in the best ways possible. So I'm extremely excited to see how this wraps up with with, with issue 50 and, and how that goes, all goes down. Um, you know, Scott is talking more and more about how he's leaving the book at a certain point soon. So, you know, this, is, this era is almost over and that's going to be incredibly sad. Uh, but to end it so great is, is, is really something special. So um, very excited about that. That it was, it was a really great book. Um, I also love the ultimates. Uh, you said the art is stunning, uh, big, huge, crazy ideas that are just a ton of fun. Um, you know, d- didn't really know what, what to expect from it. And it, it just, uh, I didn't know if, it, if, you know, second issues are tough. Second issues are sometimes where, where I get lost on a book and this one kept me going very technical, very science, mm-hmm. sciencey. And I, and I love all that stuff about it. Um, 
Uh, also, uh, Stephanie talked about it a couple weeks ago, actually, but Alabaster, The Good, The Bad, and The Bird, issue one of five, officially came out this week. Uh, Caitlin R. Kiernan, uh, Kiernan is the writer, and Daniel Warren is, is the artist taking over uh, for Steve Lieber, who has been the artist on the other two arcs of, of this book. Uh, keeps all the really great stuff about um, Alabaster. It's still confusing as hell with with the different sort of perspectives and voiceovers and stuff like that but uh just a universe i love being in and, and, and love inhabiting so i'm really excited to see where all that goes I, at first i was put off by the art changes because i liked Lieber's art so much but i really do enjoy um the, the new art in, in that book um and uh wrapping up constantine hellblazer number seven uh this book has just been great. Uh, you know, a, a big surprise for me in, in in this sort of you know DCU whole whole, whole thing. Uh, Ming Doyle and James Tynion the Fourth are the writers, and Riley Rossimo uh, does the art. And this is this takes us to a swamp thing, and and John meet up where they have a lot of history together, obviously. And, and this plays on that history, and just plays on this idea of an area of all of a sudden swamp thing can't see Central Park anymore, and it, it's just a great moment and feeling and, and it's scary and weird and funny and, and all that stuff that that Constantine should be uh and it just it's been a great all seven issues have been really great and I, I and I'm I shouldn't say I'm surprised by that because it's a it's a really good creative team but I am surprised that it's one of the books that over this sort of relaunch and 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 the sort of mass exodus of books that I've been reading has stuck over over the seven months it's been it's been coming out so uh, big ups for Constantine Hellblazer. Oh. Yeah. Now, were you reading him before? I w- I was in the I tr- previous incarnation. The new Fifty Two stuff I had tried. I had read. I'd enjoyed him in in spit. Uh, you know, uh, fits and spurts in in Justice League Dark. Uh, I enjoyed some of the arcs of that, and uh, not other arcs not so much. Uh, and I tried to read the sort of um, the new Fifty Two Constantine book, and I just I it didn't. It wasn't. It it didn't have the sort of weirdness and edge that. I had wanted from the character and this brings that back in, in, in a big way. So, uh, I love the character himself. I, I it's one of those characters funny cause I don't know a ton about him. I've read very little of the vertigo stuff. You know, I've obviously, I talked, I've seen the, the, the movie, uh, which obviously does deviates a lot from his comic book origins, but there's just something about that character that I've always really been drawn to. And it's really great to have a series, uh, that I just love coming back to month after month. Yeah. Is somebody stomping on the floor? Or is that coming from downstairs? I don't think the so. Downstairs neighbors. Downstairs probably. I can't hear anything. No. Fear. I will get us back on the track of comic books. I just saw this news <laughs> thing. Penny Dreadful is going to become a comic book series. Oh really? Uh, what IDW? I'm guessing. <laughs> um, Titan. Oh wow. Okay. So the first book is due in spring 2016 and will feature characters familiar to fans of the show to be written by Chris King, Christy Wilson, Cairns. And Andrew Hinderaker. Cairns? Cairns? And Louis de Martinez from Heavy Metal will be doing art. Hmm. Art. Right. art. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of things going the other way, they announced that Essex County is going to be a TV show. I oh, wow. It took me a second. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's on the slide. What'd you Can say? Can we tell that we're just like really promoting the website right now? <laughs> The articles on the site. Um, yeah, it's going to be a, a produced by the CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcast Company. Yes, that's <laughs> true. That's what oh, it is. The second, the Center for Disease Control. Yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't be right. By the way, also, I yes. just saw this. 
Kurt Russell maybe playing Star Lord's dad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I saw that yeah. as well. Yeah. We'll have to see. There's rumors too that um, Kate Blanchett is going to be the villain in Thor Ragnarok. Wow. Not the not the person. I mean, she's going to play uh, yeah. a, she's going to play a role. The the bad guy is not going to be Kate <laughs> Blanchett. But that would be amazing. I'd love her to be the Enchantress. Yeah, that's one of the rumors. Either uh, uh, Enchantress or Hell Hella. Oh. So those those are the two sort of rumors. But Enchantress Ella, would be Ella. Ella. Hey. 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 <laughs> yeah. Only if she wears the big Jack Kirby. Oh yeah. Headdress. Absolutely. Like the yes. Whole, whole absolutely. Widescreen images. She better. Yeah. If they're gonna do that character, they they better go all the way with that one. But yeah. So uh, so yeah, mm. some some stuff's going on. Stephanie, what's your book I, of the week? What is my book of the week? Oh, Fresh Romance number one. All uh, right. Another so, Vertigo title? No, it's Rosie Press. Oh, okay. So it was self-published by Janelle Aslan. Oh, and I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of New Romancer. I'm thinking of New Romancer. That's what I'm thinking of. Sorry. Yeah, this is the one that was done on the Kickstarter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I know what you're um, uh, And several issues in now, uh, but uh, some of the stories are, that are in the first issue are from, like, Kate Leth. Um, oh, I didn't write anyone's name down. But um, basically, it's an anthology. There's several um, stories that are started in this first issue, and they continue throughout the course of the series. So you get the first few pages of one story and another story, and then they continue on in issue two, three, four, so on. That's how numbers work. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Yep, that's true. Um, but I just like anthologies sometimes are really hit and miss. Um, and Janelle did a really excellent job at vetting, um, the people that were being a part of this and launching this series. Obviously it's her, um, flagship title for Rosie press. Um, so naturally she wants everything to be, um, fantastic in it, but I thought that they did a great job of showcasing um, a number of different creators um, with varying styles um, and voices and uh, stories to tell. And I thought that um, what they did to kick off the first book was fantastic. Um, So, I mean, I don't want to go into it too much because I really do think you guys should check it out. It is on Comixology. It is digital only, Bob. I'm sorry. Uh, I have a Comixology account. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but yeah, it's just this great book that brings back the romance comics, but in a fresh way, thus fresh romance. Um, I saw what you did there. That was good. <laughs> thank you. Um, occasionally, I'm I'm wordy and coherent. Um But yeah, I really enjoyed this series and I I always thought that I would, um, but due to backlog and literally 64 gigs of comics that are taking up um, space on my iPad, I am very, very behind. Um, But I checked it out and it confirmed my suspicions that yes, Fresh Romance is great. (laughs) That's all. That's all. Yes, I'm sorry I confused it with that Virgo book. It just it confused me because it, that came out this week, so that's why. I just, yeah, yeah. I just saw her, the, the word romance. That's what <sighs> it's, it's set up. So Percy Shelley or whoever's in is that Shelley in that book? And who? And what? 
do romance? Um, uh, Shelley the poet? I don't know. Oh. No, this no, I, is, I don't know think... it. <laughs> this is a character who is developing a like a, a dating application who has a fascination with like old school poets and through some weird like electrical chicanery manages to yank one of them from history. Yeah, it looks like I'm saying it looks like Percy Shelley. Perhaps. <laughs> Husband of Mary Wollstonecraft yeah. Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whoever he is, he doesn't like leeches. Hold on a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who does? Yeah. Who does? Uh, what the hell? I'm trying to find his name. I can look here. He's somebody. It's your turn to well, your turn for hold the phone, everyone. Why didn't anyone tell me there was a new episode of Luther out? Whoa. <laughs> whoa. 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 I'm sorry. I shouldn't be on Twitter, but Luther, Idris Elba. Oh, my God. Byron. What? Oh, it's Byron. Uh, Byron. Okay. Lord Byron. Uh, There's a lot of conversations going on right now. Um, <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm going to go watch Luther. All right. Bye, Stephanie. Uh, just going to mute me. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's hear about your book of the week, Steve. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my book happens to be uh, The Secret Loves of Geek Girls, uh, edited by Hope Nicholson. And, There's some uh, really shoddy writing in that book. Yeah, you know, I, I just <laughs> they just let anybody into that. Yeah, book. I mean, they let they let the you know Margaret Atwood and <laughs> Sam Maggs and Irene Coe and Marguerite Bennett, Mariko Tamaki, Trina Robbins, Annie Mock. You know, real hacks like yeah. just a, and this and there's this girl in here with a story about dating named Stephanie Cook. <laughs> I just you know, <laughs> it's one of those things like you don't really know what you're gonna get when you just go into a Kickstarter mm-hmm. and you know you wait forever for it to reach you and you read it and you're like, why did I do this? <laughs> We're really here to bash it. <laughs> but in all seriousness, now. So my copy of The Secret Loves of Geek Girls showed up at my house. And yes, Stephanie does have a story inside of this collection, um, I guess, curated by Hope Nicholson. Is that fair? Yeah. Hope edited it, put it together, and she also contributed an essay to the book. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. um, She vetted everyone. So yeah, curated, I suppose, is a good word. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Indeed. Now, some people might say that there's a little bit of a bias mm-hmm. in the room because because how Stephanie. much we dislike Stephanie. So that <laughs> it's true, I'm the worst. <laughs> so, um, I had a lot of fun. Her and I talked about it off air. I had a lot of fun reading Stephanie's uh, story. Thought it was very sweet, and uh, it was it was really awesome to see our friend, coworker, co-podcaster, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, standing right beside, you know, all these other really like powerful voices. And it's, it's awesome that you're included in that. And I really enjoyed your story and I hope that you write more stuff and to see you in more collections. It got picked up by Dark Horse. I know. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? The cover is so cool. Oh yeah. It's, um, oh God. This is, this, Noelle Stevenson. Noelle Stevenson. This is this is how much I spent too much time on Twitter because I was gonna call her ginger hazing. That's what I was gonna call her. <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry. I'm like so. I've been like really online like the last couple of days. But mm-hmm. like I saw that like Guillermo del Toro tweeted. He's like, I love lumberjanes, and I was like, this is the best. <laughs> like I love. Can you, Guillermo, please do an adaptation of lumberjanes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm showing Bob the artwork for your mm-hmm. story. Yeah. That's yeah, because cool. I've never seen, I've I, read this story, friend, but never so, seen the artwork. Mm-hmm. I All don't right. know if I talked about this 
on air yet or off air or at all. Um, but like the artist on my book is this amazing woman called Dina Pagliarello. Um, we're actually working together on a webcomic, Secrets. Um, that now a lot of people know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. A lot of people do know. I tweet about it a lot. Anyways, um, but Dina's amazing. And I, I told her like it didn't have to be, it didn't have to look like me. It didn't have to like just have fun with it. Do what inspires you. And one of the stories, uh, one like it's sort of like this, the story kind of has like a, that rule of three with fairy tales. Like it has like a, uh, it, it is sort of a weird autobiographical fairy tale my my portion of the story but um the one person i wrote about that kind of has like a sort of happy ending um i i sh told him that i was writing in the book and he was like oh that's so cool he's like wow should i sign copies i'm like get out of here um and dina illustrated him and i sent him the illustrations after dina sent it and she was like he was like mm, is this set in stone I was like, what? He's like, she's like, he's like, did you send her reference? I'm like, no. She's like, he's like, did you tell her what I looked like? I'm like, no. He's like, I look like Antonio Banderas. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. He's like, so can we like send her reference? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, you're missing the point. <laughs> Leave it alone. And he was like, are we sure? And I'm like, get out of here. Yeah. Leave. <laughs> Um, but he's like weirdly excited. He showed up to like the signing and was like, should I, should I really sign a copy? I was like, no, leave. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Keep showing yeah. up and sent away. Yeah. So Steve, like, other than this one on the, on the other line here, uh, <laughs> what did you think of the book? Um, well, I'm still, I'm still working my mm -hmm. way through it. I mean, this is a, this is a bulky collection is big. of stories and, um, I've been bouncing around a little bit. I've been kind of like. You know, going through some of the more arty ones because they're short. Mm -hmm. You know, some of them are, are three and four and five pages, and um, I've been kind of uh, bopping around. Uh, there's one um, story by Megan Kearney that I really enjoyed. Um, I'm trying to find my favorite one at the moment. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna flip through. Uh, URL and IRL was really good, but there was one uh, in particular about fan fiction. I believe it was called. There, there it is. One second. <laughs> Nope, that's the divorcee's guide to the apocalypse. <laughs> how fan? Okay, how fan fiction uh, made me gay by J. M. Frey. Oh, what was okay. that noise? What was that? No, Pat? I love her. Oh, yeah. Okay, that that was a very hard <laughs> noise to discern, Stephanie. Yeah. Sorry, no, I love her. She's amazing. Okay, Carry on, um, everyone. So I really, I I really, really enjoy. It. And overall, okay, here's the thing: the stories in here are, in my opinion very they're very honest stories i mean the the mission statement of this was for you know this collective of people to tell their experiences with love and sex and dating and and things like that and so that's what you're going to get in a lot of these mm -hmm. but it's it's really incredible for me kind of um reading about adolescence and reading about growing up from the side of the opposite sex and seeing what it was like because i know what i was like growing up like a lot of these stories take places take place in the 90s and you know you'll run into smashing pumpkins and and all this stuff and this this generation that they're very much a part of a generation or maybe a little bit after mine but it's there and um just like looking at these these significant uh, moments in their lives, whether it be through sex or dating or discovering their own sexuality, and 
many of the things that I've read in here are really affecting. And even in the short period of time that you spend with these people, because of the the honesty in the writing and in the art, you you get this like really private glimpse of of their life and it it connects you with that person and it connects you with the stories and and with the books and like i said being a guy and seeing it from the the female perspective and all of the creators in this book are, are female i kind of get to see like not necessarily myself i'm sure that i've done dumb crap and i've said stupid stuff and i've been unromantic at certain times people change but thinking back to like stories that I heard or female friends of mine and the way that they were growing up, what it must have been like for them to grow up with, with around guys, not, not, not necessarily like me, but like pushy dudes and how things that you say can come off entirely the wrong way when maybe you thought that you were being like smooth or like you, you thought you were being nice because you were trying to be fair and you really were not. Um, and some of the stories in here are really, really sweet. There's something um, really moving about reading. A lot of these stories are about people discovering kind of their their sexualities and where they're unsure of how they feel about the opposite sex or even the same sex through their adolescence. And these really amazing stories about people that uh, game designers and fan fiction writers and how they used those tools not only as like social outlets, but they met the most important people of their lives or like i said earlier they like they discovered that the reason that they didn't fit in was because they were you know quote unquote playing for the wrong team and they discovered love through different means in different ways and in a generation where like computers are so much a part of our lives and are important to us and as somebody right now who's dating someone for three years that i more or less got to know on twitter and then it moved on into other things, um, I identified with some of this stuff. And it's really funny, and it's very sweet, and uh, like I said, it's just, it's very affecting, and it's a wonderful, wonderful collection. I'm sure that I'm, I wish that I, I would have bookmarked uh, some of these things. Uh, like I said, the URL and IRL by uh, Gita Jackson is amazing. The artwork all throughout this book is spectacular. There's some super, super talented ladies in here. And um, even some of the like the the artwork stuff that isn't necessarily what I would pick up on a daily basis or even on whatever, like I wouldn't even give it a second glance because of the the context and the content of the book. It's making me read it because I'm interested in, in the subject matter. And it's like by the end of that little story, you discover how that art is just perfect for mm -hmm. that story or the person drew it themselves and they're not an artist. It's just like stick figure squiggles and stuff like that because that's what they are able to do. They're mm. writers, they're not artists. Mm. But it's all coming from them. It's them telling that story from beginning to end, art, words, all of that stuff. And it just has a really genuine quality to it. Um, it's a really spectacular uh, collection. I swear I'm not trying to... <laughs> you know, uh, do a commercial for this book. Um, you know, when your friends are involved in stuff, you really just kind of hope for the best. Well, it's pretty yeah. transparent because she's on the show. So it's not like you, like yeah, you're no. like, I love this book. And it's someone that we don't know, you know, whatever. No, it's but fine. it's, it's super good. I, I strongly recommend that, uh, people pick up a copy. It's, it's got so much variety to it. It's got so much variety, but at the same time, 
it, it feels like everyone's on the same page. And it'll really, it'll make you ask yourself questions, especially if you're a guy. It'll, it'll kind of force, uh, force a perspective on you that you, you probably just forgot about. And, uh, makes me, you know, it, it makes me glad that I am the way that I am. And, and I express myself the way that I do, especially towards my girlfriend and just, you know, how openly affectionate I've become over the years and, and how confusing my teens and, and early twenties were and stuff like that. And, you know, nobody ever really figures out love. You kind of just go with it as it, as it moves throughout your life and stuff like that. And a lot of the stories are about that. And, uh, and I loved it. I kept going back to it throughout, throughout the week ever since it landed in my uh, mailbox. Hmm. So yeah, uh, the secret loves of geek girls edited by hope Nicholson soon to be, published by dark horse comics yeah i got my copy I'm, as well Sorry. i'm working really hard like i've been working with hope by the way and this isn't again a plug for it but um shipping is really expensive from canada to the states but i've been working hard to get the book into the hands of retailers over the last week or so um i've literally emailed every single retailer in north america and even like <laughs> europe and australia <laughs> Um, so if this is something that you've been trying to find as well, um, I, we are working really hard to try and, um, do our best to get it to, um, as many stores as possible, um, before October, 2016. Cool. Awesome. Oh, it's also on secretloves.ca, I believe. Uh, All right. There you go. There you go. If you, uh, I read, uh, I've only read a few stories. I read Stephanie's story and uh, I read the story by Kara Ellison, which is, which is really great. Um, My story is really specific to like talking comics. Like it's like an inside <laughs> joke. Uh, well, the title is. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the story is very universal. Yeah. Story is universal for sure. <laughs> um, and see, if you like, uh, Gita's writing. Mm-hmm. She does a lot of freelance writing, but she's also on a video game podcast. Oh, really? With uh, Patrick Klepek. No former way. Former giant bomber, Patrick Klepek. Called Match 3. Okay. It's a good podcast. Oh, I've heard him mention that before. Yeah, and she's a, she's a big comic book person as well. She talks about Batman a lot. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, All right. Read Nerd Love by Irene Coe. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> Bob. We actually, this is just a, this, this book is actually the book I would have chosen as well for my book of the week. So oh, I'll just jump so on when you jump go. On, please. Yeah. But my book of the week is Scarlet Witch number one, James Robinson, Vanessa Del Rey, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by VCs, Corey Pettit. Yeah, not, not Joe Carmanja. No, time. for a change, he's, he's, he was off that day. <laughs> and we have a stunning, I at least have the stunning cover by David Aja. Yeah, it's a great cover. Uh, I love James Robinson's work, have for a long time, and all that said, going in, I just thought this was a really great beginning to what could be the resurrection of this character. That Far too long she's been on the sidelines to portray as damaged goods by other writers and so on. And it's, and the way it's laid out, it is a great jumping on point for those who know nothing about this, about this character except for the barest glimmer of, of what her origins were and so on and so forth, because you're, you're, Wanda here senses that something has gone really wrong in the realms of magic. And with the help of her late by Wanda's hand, but still astrally alive mentor, Agatha Harkness, (laughs) who was once the nanny for Franklin Richards, if you go back far, far into the old Marvel past, because who else could could babysit the world's most powerful mutant baby? (laughs) A witch. (laughs) 
it works out pretty well the way those things are. Uh, but well, Wanda's determined to make things right. And there's a three-page sequence here as she sort of walks across a New York City street and it's just this exposition of and her, her mission statement. It is beautifully done. It is action-packed. And all this is someone walking. And you feel the depth of what her struggles have been, the mistakes she made in her life before owns up to them. Uh hits a little bit on some of these things that have made her sad or that things are not the way they could be, but she that that's not going to stop her this time because she needs all these bits and pieces to put herself back together again because what she had before, she made a mess of things a lot. No more mutants and she, way too often she was used by some writers as a plot device. And that's great. She's a very powerful character. A lot of people feel for her. But that, she showed no agency there. Here, you can see that's changing, and that's through James Robinson and Vanessa, Del's Ray, Vanessa Del Rey's work here. Uh, he does a great job with characterizations, finding the on-model center of these characters that have been going for years. Wanda's back from 1964. It's X-Men 4. She and Quicksilver show up the first time. Uh, and only about a year or so later, she's part of the Avengers. And we get to see that, too. The book opens with her having a daydream of that end of Avengers number 16. We saw Cap's kooky quartet as we came to know them, and we'll see that some of that in that movie because there's only three of them, though. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Anyway, uh, I, I'm way off track here because I just love this book so much. Each issue, as far as I know, is going to have take place in a different locale with a different artist. So it'd be funny to see that, and yet it could be very thrilling to watch as other people come aboard to try to tell site-specific stories for this character. If you're a fan of uh, Children's Crusade, which we all love mm -hmm. so much, uh, and that's the kind of Wanda you want to see. That character is is back here and in full glory. So, Scarlet Witch number one, James Robinson, Vanessa Del Rey, Jordi Belair, Corey Pettit. So each issue is going to change artist. That's what my understanding is. Yes. Okay. Because I was just going to say, uh, this book is stunning to look at. Vanessa Del Rey, who did the art for The Empty Man with Colin Bunn. Yep. Um, there's, it's a crazy, scary horror book. This is obviously dealing in weird stuff, not necessarily scary stuff, but bizarre, weird, macabre, occult things, uh, and just done beautifully. Uh, you know, it's, it's that kind of art that's somehow both messy and incredibly precise yes. at the same moment. Uh, you know, very, th very thick lines, almost like that, uh, you know, Raphael Albuquerque type of, uh, of thing, not, uh, not. You know, you wouldn't look at the two things and look, they look similar, but they evoke the same feelings in me looking at them. A little bit of the same DNA. Yeah, yeah. same DNA. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous book. Great colors by Jordi Belair as well. And I thought that it really portrayed um, the themes and, and feelings of the book right out there on the page without having had to read a word. It's one of those books where I feel like, and the writing is great and I don't want to take anything away from James Robinson, but I feel like if you took the dialogue off the page, you would still get a lot of the story just by looking at the art, which I think is fantastic. Uh, you know, I think this fits very nicely and sort of hand in hand with the, the Dr. Strange book as well. Mm -hmm. they, they, they definitely feel like they're both magic books, which is obviously a big, a big thing that links them, but they feel of that same sort of DNA in, in, in the, the weirdness factor you know they're they're both obviously willing to get weird with, with this the magical elements and you know i love her thing at the beginning where you know she like all these explanations for why her magic is what it is she's like it's just 
It's magic. Like that's what it is. Like there's no, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's no scientific explanation for it. Like it's magic, and, and I, I I like that about it. Like, it just throws all that stuff out of the window. And you're absolutely right. I, I I love the idea of her being like I'm, you know, because her 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 dead compatriot says, yeah. you know, this is probably not the best place for you to live. Like you know, you know, you haven't always been the most stable person in the entire world. And the idea of her being like, no, I I need to be here because I need to remember what I did wrong. And I need to make sure that I'm always doing the right thing now. Like I, my legacy cannot be all of this bad stuff. It has to be something good. Uh, and I love the idea that she just like, it's, it's cool to see her sort of doing ground level stuff. She's like helping out the cops, like figure, figure shit out. And I, I like that as well, you know? And it was funny cause reading, you know, something like this and actually also reading Constantine sort of together, they also share some sort of feelings about that, especially that like, uh, you know, uh, um, playing fast and loose with, how the magic interfaces with regular people. Um, and I love that the cop is just sort of like, just, just it's, it's, he just knows the deal. Like he's just yeah, going come along Come on with here it. and look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the dead body. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, really enjoyed it. You know, I, again, just like we talked about last week about the pricing and how I just got on the fence. This book's three ninety nine, so it's not beyond the pale, but it was still a, a I, I waited till I saw sort of the reactions to it before I bought it. Cause um, you know, I like James Robinson a lot and you know, I, uh, I don't think it's even ended yet because I think it's badly, but I loved the first couple issues of Airboy. I um, mean, obviously the it's over. It's over now. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I sort of lost like the thread on it at some point. Last issue came out about three weeks ago. Okay, all right. So uh, something I got to catch up on, but I loved that, and I've loved some of his his Marvel work. But there's also been stuff that I just I haven't connected with, you know. So I, I'm I I don't see James Robinson and go I need to read this book, but I read this book and I'm absolutely exactly that i did uh i'm wondering how i love the art so much i'm wondering how it's gonna f- do with changing artists but just a really great first issue I, I think that we've talked a lot about debuts and how well they work and you know what number ones need to do and i think this does both things where it, it for people like you bob who know the character extremely extremely well and follows along with her this is something that you don't feel like you're being retold everything in order to enjoy a story. But for me, like I know, obviously I know Wanda, I know I've read stories with her, but I don't, you know, I, and I know like the Wikipedia version of, of her right. history, but I, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs, but this let me know at least catches you up on least like some bad stuff has happened. She's trying to make amends for it. And this is what she's going to do from, from now on. And I like that it does both of those things. It's one of, I think, the best first issues of, of, of the relaunch, uh, for sure, um, and fits right up there with me with Doctor Strange and Iron Man and those books that I'm really excited to keep reading as, as we go along. I strongly agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved it. I really did. Um, I did the same thing that you did, where I, I waited to kind of hear word of mouth, because, you know, you gotta you gotta watch these Marvel books, man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was actually Kelly uh, Heron who reached out to me and was like, did you read Scarlet Witch yet? And I said, no. I was, like, was kind of waiting to see what the temperature of the room was. <laughs> like, what's going on? And she said, I don't know if she did this on purpose. I think she knows that um, it's probably maybe my favorite anime series, but um, she was right. This book has a very, uh, there's an anime series called Boogie Pop Phantom. That um, Boogie Pop is my like PSN name mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That I borrowed it from that. Um, you you have so many different names, <laughs> dude. I can I tell you how annoying that is. I, it's annoying <laughs> for me because I'm like, is that Steve? It's really annoying <laughs> for me. No, what really sucks, not to derail, <laughs> but how it's it's sometimes it's Boogie Pop underscore forty seven, uh-huh. and then other times it's just Boogie Pop forty seven. Or my favorite, 
on PSN, Boogie Pop Dash 47. <laughs> and then people come back to me like, oh, man, I couldn't find you. Be like, did you put in the dash? Be like, no, I thought you just did that to tell me that, like, there was a space in between. I'm like, nah, man, you got to put it in. So I should have so many more friends that I actually, no, I have tons of friends. I have too many friends. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I really, uh, I really liked the, like, I mean, you're mentioning the art and how they're going to change the artist. I feel two ways about that. Like, I kind of want it to stay the same. But it, I would love to see what other artists would do with it. I guess if he's going to keep writing it, there is room for for there to be like a bigger arc mm-hmm. within within the story. But I love how so much of this book is bathed in like a scarlet uh, purple hue that when the other colors come into play, they really, really pop. Like there's this huge green sequence uh, in the middle of the book that is very, not as only is it gorgeous and eye-catching, but it's such a drastic change tonally in the art color-wise that it like it completely signifies to you that like some really bad stuff has gone on because this world has been completely ripped from its color palette and we're now you know, bathed and entrenched in this like sickly greenish yellow poison that's going on in this book. And I just, I really enjoyed how uh, they upped the art ante with that. And just the, the overall, the writing, the tone of it, like I said, it kind of has a, a boogie pop phantom uh, vibe where there's kind of like a techno jazz playing in the background. <laughs> the, the city is kind of seedy and, and it looks like there are a lot of dark corners and yeah, I mean, definitely like, almost like a companion book for Doctor Strange in a way. And uh, I think the premise of it is cool that she's she's kind of looking to police the bad magic to, to make sure that like stuff like what she used to do doesn't doesn't come around mm-hmm. anymore. And uh, I just I can't wait to see where it goes next. I was super, super impressed with it. Um, I saw it was your your shared book. That's when I picked it up after purchasing it and i was like damn mm-hmm. this is really good yeah I, I agree with you iron man doctor strange and scarlet witch have probably been like my favorites mm-hmm. uh ultimates was super good too just very dense for my brain mm-hmm. at the time that i read it yeah, yeah i get that absolutely stephanie did you read this by the way she's working out sorry sorry i'm clicking you're watching luther i'm not watching <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. hold on a minute yeah, yeah. um I'm watching Vikings. Okay. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, I haven't read it yet. That was a really long. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> so you uh, should definitely read it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marco Rudy is the artist on the second issue. Oh, oh awesome! He's From, delightful. In Winter Soldier, the Bitter March. Bitter March. Oh yeah. damn! Not Bitter right. March. Awesome. He did the Bucky. Bitter, uh, Bitter Winter. Uh, no, Bitter March is the, the is one. that that was that was the that was the um I can't his name. Remender one, mm-hmm. which is Winter's the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier, right. the it's ongoing uh, Aleshcott and Marco. Rudy. Yeah, oh, and, right. and he also did that that uh, New Avengers, Doctor Strange, Strange Angel, 30th, annual. Yep. Yeah, that's over now, right? The the Aleshcott, uh, I think so. Yeah, man, I need to get that collected. I want to read that. Um, but yeah, that it was a really great, really great issue. So, all right, um, before we jump into our um, our, our book of the week, uh. So, so a listener asked this question and, and I wanted to kind of go over it because I think it's an interesting question. Um, 
so this is Nick G uh, on on Twitter, and he th- there's a post about uh, Bleeding Cool uh, about uh, Bitch Planet number six, which is coming out, and it, it contains a, uh, a mature rating, but also a trigger warning about uh, you know sexual assault that's that's in the mm-hmm. book. Um, and he he wanted us to explain what a trigger warning was and the relation to comics and society. So um, I mean, firstly, a trigger warning is just, and this is how I ex- understand it. Is is telling you that uh, uh, some piece of media, whether it be a comic book, a movie, whatever, contains something that could that if you've gone through that trauma, could could trigger like a form of like PTSD about Absolutely. that thing, uh, and it's a way to warn people that says, hey, just so you know, if you if you're very sensitive to these things, and I'm not saying sensitive in like the like oh you're sensitive, I'm saying like act you know sensitive about these things that you should avoid th- this book. Um, it doesn't happen a lot in in in, in comics, so it's, I think it's sort of like a, a new thing. Obviously, the the mature warnings are, are nothing are nothing new, but this is a sort of more detailed thing about it. Um, you know, uh, Stephanie, what do you think about putting that sort of thing on on, on the front of a book? And uh, I, I think it was their decision, by the way. I think it was Kelly Sue's uh, and Valentine's uh, decision. So I think that it's respectful. I don't necessarily. I mean, the book is sort of mature content to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think kind of you should know what you're going into. Period. But I mean, I don't know if that's what they felt like doing. That's their decision. I think um, it's not fair to say some trigger warnings are not valid or not, um, you know, something to warrant being warned about, you know, like being like, oh, like this silly thing happened and somebody like flipped their shit. Mm -hmm. Like people's trauma is their own. Mm -hmm. Um, And if Kelly Sue is somebody that I respect enormously um, as a writer, as a person, as You know, somebody who does everything she does and still has this beautiful family. And if she believes after everything she does for comics, for geekdom in general, that trigger warning is something should be a foot on the front of her book, I'll stand by that. Mm. Uh, What about you, Bob? Well, I think it's a very responsible thing to do. It is, as Stephanie says, it is a not only mature book, a very mature book. And because of the themes involved in it, each third issue is a standalone basically about mm-hmm. one of the characters. So we're going to get somebody's backstory that's probably going to be have some very hideous events in it. People are coming to this book particularly to deal with some of these sorts of issues. So to make certain that somebody who might get a good message from this is not then torn apart by a book they were going to for something positive... I think that really speaks to the creative team Mm -hmm. to try to do the right thing here. I'm sure there'll be, knowing Kelly Sue in this book, there'll be plenty of back matter for those who want to read about what's gone on and why and how it it affects people and so on and so forth. So you'll get a complete picture, but this puts it out there that if this is something that you've encountered personally or a loved one has gone through and don't want to deal with this again, skip this issue the next one might be just fine for you might have some other thing for someone else but you can then move past this yeah so i think it's very responsible and i think in general like speaking in general i think he's also talking about general general like for how it all applies to everything i think i'm always uh 
I'm always an advocate of as much transparency as possible. I mean, this is if if you want to know, like, there are problems with rating systems all the time because they're just constructed by people, and there's mm-hmm. problems with people creating anything. But uh, what they how they serve people and to tell them, you know, if they're looking for a guide about what they're reading, I think it's fine. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, if you don't want to see something that has this in it then why shouldn't you know before before you pick it up now there's also the other side of the coin which is like maybe the way they're going to tell it is something that people need to read because it's you know makes you think about a different way and you avoid it because you saw that it was in there and so on and so forth but i think everybody should kind of have that choice for themselves and and so you know i think that like you said it's a responsible thing to do and i think that it it's not a thing that i mind if it was a universal thing, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I think that, it, but there are real traumas out there that, you know, I don't understand. And when I read stuff about this stuff, about sexual assault, about, or any tragedy that happens to an individual person, I've had a very lucky life. So I haven't had really horrible things like that happen to me. So I don't get those same feelings. So to me, like I'll, I would see that warning and just sort of keep going. But I think it, it, the comic book industry and the reading world is, is is so diverse and so huge that I think those things are important. Um, so yeah, yeah, appreciate appreciate you uh, writing in and asking us that question. Um, do you have something you want to say, Steve? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> he had, Steve had the I don't want to say something face on, so that's why I didn't call like, on him. Eh? Yeah. No, I no, I, I I'll say those. I'm things. figuring that he just agrees what we're saying. That's usually the face. I do agree. That's the face that it's... Steve was making. I think it's respect. I think it's respectful. I think it's smart. Um, you never know how people will react and, and, and interpret, mm-hmm. especially if the creator themselves recognizes. Like, let's just let's just say your story is going to a really dark place, and you realize that while it might not have happened to you, that it could have happened to some of your readers. Just to put it out there. And, you know, this coming from a from a creator who's obviously thinking about these things. And there are creators who don't think about stuff like that. And they're just it's just it happens to the character. It didn't happen Mm -hmm. to you. So it's fine. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not. And, you know, everybody's sensitive to different things and everybody has different different traumas. And and maybe somebody hasn't had those traumas, but because the the writing is that good that it, it then makes them uncomfortable. Um if it were perhaps a different book or, or or a different person putting it out, I might wonder if like you put something like trigger warning on your book that it's to sell more copies. But given the people and the place that is coming from, I know that not to be mm-hmm. the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, if 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 you if you sit back and you're like, wow, th- this could really mess somebody up if they weren't ready for this, if they weren't, they didn't know that this might be going into to the extreme and then you're responsible for the 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 backlash of that and and more importantly hurting one of your readers mm-hmm. I, I think is a very smart yeah um and i would expect expect no less <laughs> from uh kelly sue and uh mr valentine going going to uh going to the lighter side of things yes dominic mcgill says why isn't there just a podcast where with stephanie telling her life story <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is in reference to the date I live tweeted <laughs> on the weekend. Um, he was awesome. You 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 have a second date with him, right? He asked me out again. <laughs> he 
he obviously gained... doesn't have doesn't follow you on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I know he he totally. I haven't given him. I haven't told him my last name oh, or okay. anything. Oh man, um, <laughs> um Stephanie <laughs> Chef. He, oh, the, I just read my Twitter feed if you want to like read the best worst date ever. Um, and then today I get a text that was like, "Hey, girl, when we're hanging out again." I'm like, "What?" You literally gave your phone number to somebody in front of me. Wow. He wants that like, job. <laughs> yeah. He was like, my mom was a waitress. Um, like, I He's just really think that Salem, she's a bit dumb, but like she has potential. I'm like, yeah, okay. She has potential. Like, cool. Perfect. <laughs> He's like, I'm not giving her my number. I just want to hook her up with a job connection. I'm like, okay. <laughs> And then she sat down with us. This waitress sat down with us and she had a badger jaw necklace on. And he was like, is that a jaw? Is that like a jawbone? She's like, yeah, it's from a badger. I killed it myself. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> like, is this reality? What is what is going on? That sounds like you were having a good time. Just yeah. not the good time you expected yeah. when you got there. Full story on Stephanie's Twitter. No, <laughs> yeah. really. Like, go read it. I yeah. can't even. I tried to put it into words today to like tell my coworkers. And I was like. Just, just go read it. Um, I can it. also apparently now offer advice on how to tell if your cocaine is good. Um, Save this for volume two of the Secret yeah, Loves of yeah. Geek Girls. Um, spoilers: If it makes your mouth numb, it's probably not great. <laughs> I can probably say that about just about everything. Uh, yes. Where do you except for maybe Ambasol? Where do you find the time to tweet this stuff while you're in the moment? Do you like tweet under the table? No, like he was literally sitting beside me the whole time. I'm like, I'm just texting my roommate to tell her I'm alive. <laughs> like, oh my God. He's like, you'd better not be on Tinder. I'm like, you wish. <laughs> like, you wish. The second part of Dami's question. Sorry. What is your dream comic movie slash TV show? Oh, boy. I think, honestly, mine's already on TV. And that's The Flash. Yeah. I just announced Harrow County. I'm, that's your dream of all the, of all your life. No. That's your dream. The series that's had eight no, issues. My, my dream. My dream <laughs> is actually is actually being made, which is the I Kill Giants movie. That's on a, oh, it's, 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 it's a movie. Yeah. Yeah. She said movie. Okay. Making sure. I got it covered. All right. Yeah. Joe Kelly is writing and uh, they got uh, fresh, fresh out of the Academy director <laughs> kind of dude. He did, did a couple music videos and stuff. Joe seems really excited about it. And I know um, a lot of the creative changes that some of the studios wanted to make, he refused because he wants to tell the story awesome. his way. And he held out and he held out and he held out until he found the right people. And he got everything that he wanted in there. And he's expanding the story for the sake of the film. But it's coming from him. It's not like somebody taking his stuff and being like, well, we're going to throw in this, you know, character because there's got to be a love interest. And no, there doesn't. <laughs> Not in I Kill Giants. The love interest is the mother and the relationship between mother and daughter. Boom. I can't wait for that movie to come out. I am. I want to go to the premiere. I'm gonna. Okay, you talk to Joe about that. I will. No, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. No, I'm actually gonna try to pull pull something together with uh, <laughs> Joe Blow and do uh, some kind of a. Uh... All right. You can talk about your other job on your other job. All right. <laughs> Bob, what's your? <laughs> It's far too obvious, but I'll say it. I want to see a real Fantastic Four movie set in the period, done correctly with the characters the way they're supposed to be. All right. What about you, Steph? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think. Um, hmm. I mean, 
the Batman series I always wanted is the Batman animated series. Um, I don't know. What about a Gotham City Sirens show? Mm, I don't know. Dude, that always that already exists. Yeah. Um, there's a little short. Um, oh. There's like a Gotham billion Gotham. of them. They're so good. It's by the original voice cast from Batman Animated Series 2. Right. Okay, I remember you telling me about this. Um, Gotham City. It's like, oh, what is it? Gotham uh, Girls. Gotham Girls? Pardon? Gotham Girls. Yes. Thank you. They're on, um, the, they're on the Birds of Prey DVD or a bunch uh, of them. I mean, are, which is like, not like $6 in the bargain bins. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm genuinely. Well, if you think, like, you think of we're something. We're so spoiled. We are. Great TV shows right now that it's genuinely a hard question for me to answer yeah um whatever you say is probably going to be a tv show and lock and key definitely oh yeah definitely yeah that'd be awesome like i i saw the trailer or like for the pilot a few that was in the works a few years ago and like i want that show Mm -hmm. um so i'm gonna say lock and key cool i want it as a show though because i feel like there's way too much material to fit into a movie yeah Yeah. they are they're saying now it's back on the tv show track because it went tv show then it was gonna be a series of movies and now the movies, I hope so. the movies are dead and, and now it's, it's better than TV. horns which was like actually the worst <laughs> <laughs> i like threw things while i watched that movie i was like joe hill how could you have put your stamp of approval on this hunk of poop i don't agree that it's the worst i didn't love it but i don't agree that it's the worst <laughs> Don't listen uh, to Bobby. Uh, <laughs> Watch it. Um, really Spoilers, it does not make anyone's best of list. <laughs> really interesting article with him uh, this this week where he talks about his like depression and, and stuff and that he went through some really tough shit uh, when he was when he was first starting out as, as a writer. Um, and also he, there's a little excerpt from his new book that's coming out next year called The Fireman. So pretty cool. I'm oh, excited and there's for also, to be a and show. Speaking yeah. of Joe, um, his papa papa king <laughs> that's his name weighed in on uh the whole idris elba thing on the dark tower he did yeah and he had like the best tweet because like everyone was like oh idris elba can't play the gunslinger like <laughs> and then stephen king wrote to me the color of the gunslinger doesn't matter what i care about is how fast he can draw and that he takes care of the katet katet yeah katet. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah you, Dark Tower is like one of my favorite things in the entire world, so I'm very excited that that stuff is moving along, and Idris Elba will be awesome. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Matthew McConaughey is going to be playing the bad guy in it is like Ooh, really wow. super cool. He's playing well. Let's get a little, little nerdy on the Stephen King front here. So, the bad guy in um, in the Dark Tower is the Man in Black. Uh, the Man in Black is the same character as Randall Flag in the stand he's like a recurring villain oh, in, cool. in, the St- in the stephen king universe so um maddie kind of playing that role is pretty pretty awesome i did not know that that was a recurring character yeah i only made it through i think the first three books of uh the dark, the dark tower. tower series fourth one's my favorite it's good stuff i'll keep that in mind it's great those are great books um anyway so yeah i'm very excited about the idris alba thing if that ends up being the truth if that ends up happening i'll be very excited moving on to our book of the week Steve, you would sign this 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 joint. I did. What uh what do you got for us? All right, so uh this week's shared book of the week is The Violent, and this is chapter one, Blood Like Tar, illustrated and co-created by Adam Gorham. 
written, lettered, and co-created by Ed Brisson, colored by Michael Garland, and design and logo by Tom Muller. So, uh, Ed Brisson lives in Vancouver, and he's kind of, he's been living there for a long time. He met his wife there. He had his daughter there, and he has a lot of amazing, like, memories and events and stuff uh, that have happened in that place, and he loves living there, but he also hates living there at the same time and in the i guess the past couple of months years whatever it's been he's been kind of watching his area change and become gentrified and people buying up spaces and tearing things down and building condos and kind of just leaving them vacant waiting for there to be an opportunity for people to move in and kind of boost the area so to speak but it's also an area that has uh, a lot of drug problems a lot of crime problems and so he thought to himself, what if I take that, you know, that part of the city or that city as a backdrop and just focus in on real people with real problems, just trying to make it in, in today's society. And so he gives us the story of a, a guy named Mason, who is an ex-con. Uh, he got busted for breaking and entering. And he also has a history with drugs. He's uh, trying to, he's clean now, but he's having a very, very difficult time making ends meet. And uh, he lives with his wife, uh, Becky, and their daughter, Caitlin, in this, you know, semi rundown apartment. And, you know, their rent is always coming and just very, very, very difficult times in their in their family at the moment. So the book begins with him sitting on like a picnic table across the street from a guy who's leaving his house and he's watching him leave and he's got this look on his face and he tosses his cigarette and as he's making his way up to the house, looks like he's about to break in, uh, his wife pulls in, uh, pulls like down the street and basically busts him for what he's about to do and yells at him and says, you know, you left our child at home. Like I came home from work and she was alone. She's three years old. What the hell were, were you even thinking? What are you doing? And he kind of just steamrolls her in his own way and says, you know, it's fine. You've, you know, you've made your peace. I don't want to hear it. Let's just drop it. I won't happen again. And um, what you get in this book is kind of a, you know, we always talk about slice of life books. This is more like a slice of life but like a shitty pie that's been sitting out and, you know, baking on the radiator instead of cooling on the windowsill. And uh, the mincemeat pie. Yeah. <laughs> and you get these, you know, these re this really kind of fly on the wall, boiled down to the, the struggle of this this tiny family in this area that's kind of moving a little bit too fast for them. And they're, you know, they're losing it to the to the hipsters and their beer, their, their beards and their their bars and things like that. And um, I don't want to spoil too much. How much are we? How much are we? Well, well let's let's talk details? about overall impressions first. I mean, all right. Well, my overall impressions. I really, really enjoyed it. I uh, I love books where we get really, really close to our characters within a short period of time. Uh, I've kind of I've known a lot of different people in my life. I might not live in Vancouver and know what the, the crime is like, but in the years since I've been around. Pockets of Long Island kind of have their their bad spots and their bad people. And uh, it's funny that just recently in the last couple of weeks, I uh, when I went to that party upstate, I had to drive down with a friend of mine and I've known her for a really long time. We were friends with a lot of the same people. 
and she's still kind of in contact with some of them, whereas I am not. And listening to the stories of some people that I used to like know and love and hang out with that like their lives have fallen apart. And some of them were due to drugs. Others were, you know, divorces or bad breakups and things like that. And then hearing the stories of them running into them at parties, she ran into them at parties and learning about just how awful their lives have become since. It's very, very sad stuff. But I found the characters in this book reminding me of this recent conversation that I had, and it kind of tuned me in and dialed me into this this uh, this story that Ed Brisson and, and Adam are, are telling. And I thought the characters were fleshed out in, in that if you can not necessarily identify with their situation, but if you have like any kind of humanity at all, and you know you see people who maybe were once bad trying to do good and trying to clean themselves up that's a struggle for a lot of people and i have i have sympathy for that so i kind of let a few things go character wise character flaws um we talk often sometimes about how if you don't have anybody to root for it's kind of hard to attach yourself to a book and its story and stuff like that i don't necessarily like mason as a person i don't like anybody that you know goes to goes out and leaves their three-year-old child sitting in front of the television even if it's for a minute thinking that that's okay so i don't like you and i happen to agree with uh his wife and her position on his behavior but then she's also got uh struggles of her own and she has an arc in this issue that's deadly serious and um it ends with a with a relative a very very big cliffhanger that in my estimation could be taken in at least two to three different scenarios that resulted in that. Um, I really want to know what's going to happen next. I was reading the back of this though. And after um, they tell the story about living in Vancouver and things like that, kind of like personal notes, Mm -hmm. they mentioned that they want to tell several stories within the series that like the violent is going to be kind of an anthology of stories. Well, it's a spinoff of, Ed Brisson's murder book. Ah. So um, he there's a trade paperback um, of uh, his collected stories, which is an anthology. And Ed Brisson is like really into, um, you know, doing like true crime. And then mm-hmm. like, um, you know, not, these aren't necessarily true crime things, but, you know, he he's big into that sort of stuff. And he did this anthology with artists like Michael Walsh, Johnny Christmas, Jason Copeland, Declan Chalvey, uh, Vic Maholtra, and Simon Roy. Um, and I need this. If this was all before he, this, this was before he got like a publishing, like before he started writing for Image and stuff like that. He was, he did this on his own. I need to read this. Yeah, but he did other stuff too. Like he did this, like he's been doing this for a while. Yeah, I've been here a long time. This. Yeah. But this is, sort of a spinoff. This mm-hmm. actually came out this year, um, earlier this year, the collected edition. The collected but edition, yeah. My point being is this is a spinoff of Murder Book. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be, I think, because you look in the cover, it says Blood Like Tar, Chapter 1. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be a couple chapters of this story. This story will end, and then we'll go to an, another story. Right. Like, my, my worry was, like, we got to the final page, right? Like, we mm-hmm. get to the end, and then I read, like, oh, it's going to, you know, it's going to feature several different yeah. things. I was like, we are not going to leave it 
like that. No, no, no. It's gonna be like a, like it's gonna be probably a couple chapters of this, and then we're gonna go to another chapter or something else. So yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Ed Burson's comic book writing. Uh, ever since the, uh, Sheltered, I've been he's been on my radar. Uh, Cluster has been excellent, and he's just there's something about him that I I just I I dig it. Like I I like his writing style. I like his characters. I like how even this is to, in what I've read of his, this is the most like human of the characters. Like even the stuff in, in sheltered, that situation was, was very eccentric and, and big. And I didn't necessarily always uh, buy that it would be happening. Um, I'm probably not wording it correctly, but that's what I'm going to go for right now. But um I, f- I felt for these characters, and I- I'm very curious to find out what happens uh, in the next issue. And uh, I'm just glad that my life is the way it is after reading a comic <laughs> like this, because things could get pretty bad if you let them get out of control. Yeah, you said the word enjoy, and I think that's a very tough word to use for me about reading this book. Um, not because it's poorly written, not because it doesn't look great. All those things are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very very tough subject matter obviously um we're you know we're talking about drug abuse and and you know the, the the penal system and how it fleshes people back in into into society it's child care and and brutality and, and all these kind of things that, are, that exist here um and and overall a picture i would say that i think it's it's a good first issue and and a good book um i think sometimes it goes in very kind of predictable uh predictable directions like i you know having watched a lot of movies and having watched a lot of tv shows having read a lot of books you know i could see certain things coming from from a mile away you know and and right down to like i feel like the relationship between the husband and wife mason and his wife is is very like you know i'm gonna yell at you you know and you're gonna kind of because you need to get your act together and I'm going to be the one who's got to be the one who puts it all together, that kind of thing. And, uh, um, and then, you know, that, that kind of spinoff with her about what, what she's going through, I feel like is interesting, but I, it, it all, it doesn't feel like it connects to me to, to, to the rest of, uh, of the story. Um, it almost feels too much to me like, Oh yeah, you thought that she had her shit together. You think that she's really good cause she's yelling at him, but she's not that good. You know, like mm-hmm. I, that's what it felt like to me. And I didn't, it, it just didn't, it didn't play well to me. Um, you know, I agree with you. I think that there isn't anybody to like here. I don't necessarily that's a bad thing, you know, except for the little girl. <laughs> um, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think you can tell stories about people who are not likable. And, and I think there are things here that are important to, to, to sort of mention and to talk about. And I like the idea of, of it, of a book that exists between the cracks, you know, because most media deals with either like the worst of the worst areas or the, the best of the best areas, you know, it's like one or the other. And this is sort of that in between it's, it's, you know, vanishing middle-class, all that kind of stuff. But for me, like I don't have a ton of sympathy for the character because he doesn't really seem to be trying to do the right thing. Right. He seems to always be trying to do the wrong thing, you you know, except for that very way. He's like, I can't come and pick you up because I have my kid. You know, that's, he says that once and, and then, that's over you know and i understand it's a push pull of an old life it's it's something pulling him back to an old life and again talking about like we talked about before about not identifying with stuff i don't i can't i i can't identify with the situation because i've never been in the situation right but th- there's a scene where he's at a bar and he sits down to have a drink yeah and the moment that happens i'm like i've lost all connection to this story you know um 
there's nothing for me to hold on to. And, and, you know, I think it's an interesting story and I think there's, like I said, good stuff about it, but, um, there was no in for me for the story. There was no character who, not that I didn't like, but someone that I could at least, I could at least stand sort of next to in, in some sort of way. Um, and because of that, I just, I didn't walk away having, you know, a feeling like I want to read more of, of this book. Uh, Bob. Similarly to you, to me, I certainly reacted viscerally, which mm-hmm. I which is what you're supposed yeah, to do course. with a book like mm-hmm. this. And I didn't like any of these characters, though I felt for Becky a little bit, but mm-hmm. she continues to do dumb things just as he mm-hmm. does. He's he's not as much a hard luck loser as a dumb idiot, <laughs> because he just continues to do the same things over again. Now, I've read and seen tons of films with unlikable lead characters. For me personally, I need to see some little shred of humanity, some little thing that there's, they're trying to get past what was, but there's something like Nelson Algren's uh, Man with the Golden Arm, which they made, Preminger made the movie of with Sinatra, where it's a drug addict out, just out of prison, struggling, falls back into it, but he's trying to do something different. And that heightens the tragedy because then it's, it's a good person brought down, not just a whole bucket of slime that I got dropped into. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I think that's, Ed Brisson's intention. Mm-hmm. Here's how terrible everything is. But for me, that ju- it's it's bleak and dark and depressing, and it's just, it's an awful place. Mm-hmm. And without a hook, without some little, I want to see them get past this. Even if they fail, at least they're trying to get past it. I don't have that in. I didn't have that hook. I was just, he's going to do something else dopey. He goes to the bar. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he sat down, you knew everything else bad was going to happen mm-hmm. to him. It had to go from there to the next bad thing. Mm-hmm. And it gets so bad eventually without us spoiling it that it's, well, you kind of deserve this, you dope. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Sure. What, what if the the thing that happens at the end, what if that is the wake-up call and then you start to see those things in the second issue? I mean, it could too, be it, it could be, be there. Yeah, but I, I think it's easier. But I want to hear, before we get into anything in depth, I want to hear what Stephanie thinks mm-hmm. of the book. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it was... Um, incredibly realistic. I thought that Ed Brisson did a fantastic job of um, telling a story about two people who just can't get out of that cycle. They are stuck in this endless rotation of shit. Um, No one is helping them. No one's looking out for them. And they're not really capable of looking out for each other. Um, They both clearly love their daughter um, and they want to do right by her, but their version of right is so morally astray um, just because they don't have that. They don't have that compass. Um, I, I thought that I didn't necessarily like the characters, but like Steve, like I felt for them. Because there's moments when you can kind of see that they're trying. Like, he's trying to be a good friend. He's trying to be a good father. He's trying to be a good person, but he's an idiot. He's just dumb. And, but at the bottom, the end of the day, he's trying to not be shitty. He's trying to be better in the best way he knows how and admittedly that's not a great way but he is trying um 
same with her. Like she's trying and it's just nothing seems to be going right for them. And, you know, like I have nothing comparable to these guys. Um, but it just this year has been like so shitty for me. And like it kind of is one of those things where like it's so, you know, negativity attracts more negativity and you can't really get out of that loop without people in your corner and they don't have those people in their corner. And I was just like, yeah, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. I, I thought that it was solid though. I thought the story was amazing. Um, Gorham's art was phenomenal. Um, the colors were excellent. Uh, and for me, seeing this story from a perspective uh, of a Canadian, like seeing that this takes place in Canada, it, you know, like for me here, these stories typically take place in the States. And you see, I mean, shitty stuff happens everywhere. But like for this to be set in Baltimore or, um, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, it, it just felt a lot closer to home with this story being written in Vancouver. Um, I, I don't know why that seems sort of weirdly like affecting to me, but it was. Um, I, I mean, to say that it's it, it's it's hard to call it a great comic book when it's such um, like heart wrenching kind of material and kind of shitty like just shit piles um but they did a fantastic job in my opinion mm-hmm. all right it's kind of like what stephanie was saying with the in regard to to where it's taking place it's i think it's the equivalent of uh when pawn shop was released and pawn shop takes place in long mm-hmm. island that it regard you know on top of it being a solid book and it being a really highly enjoyable book it also has that home field advantage to it that, that makes you connect with it a little bit more makes you interested in it a little bit more because you know the locale um i didn't really talk too much more about the uh, about the art earlier but i agree with Steph that i think it's very appropriate very um like grimy in its own way that it matches kind of the the situation and personality of of the book's characters and the the world and and that particular place that they're trying to paint that it uh presents that very very well mm-hmm. in its own you know disgusting low rent way um but yeah i you know I, I i like reading all kinds of different things and and even if i can't if i'm not necessarily i mean i'm i'm rooting for them in terms of i hope that they get their shit together and that this child doesn't end up in foster care and another family gets ripped apart and stuff like that but i mean as somebody that knows a lot of people like there are people that are out there that are like this that had made some really bad choices in their lives and wound up being some pretty shitty people, but then later, you know, found each other, found strength in each other at some point in their lives and decided that they were going to try to do better. And they just don't know how to go about doing that. And I, I, I think that that's an, that's an interesting break from a lot of the other types of stuff that, that I read of and things that come out on the shelves on, on a weekly basis of superheroes and science fiction, that there's this, you know, little, very realistic book kind of holding up a mirror to the, not a mirror to the reader, but um, 
just showing showing you the other side. Sometimes people don't win. Sometimes people are just fuck ups, and that's just what they are. Absolutely, and and and, and again, I, I don't think that it, it fails in capturing th- those things. And this is a very a very personal a personal thing for me. It's just, and maybe this is this says something about my personality, but like when I'm. I mean, I, I like to read stuff that makes me think. I like stuff to read thing that makes me examine who I am as, as a person, all of those kind of things. But stories like this, you know, I think that some people read them and they either self-identify and see themselves reflected in it, which is important in it to have in, in all forms of media for everyone, I think. Um, or people go, they read and they go, man, like this, these people really have it shitty. Like I, I'm happy that this isn't the way I feel, uh, you know, about my life. Mm-hmm. And I think those are both valid perspectives to have for me. Like, it's just not something that it's not a world I want to live in, you know, and it being too real is probably the reason why, you know, it's because like, I just, I can turn on the TV and, and, and probably see a story about people who have to deal with shit like this. Mm-hmm. And when I read comics or I read, or I watch a movie or I don't, I don't need some, anything that makes me escape and not deal with life all the time. But what when I like things that make me deal with things, I like there to be sort of an artifice that makes me go, surprises me into the fact that I'm thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is very blunt. And, and I think this is one of those reviews and one of the discussions that it's very much, if you're listening to this and you go, you know what? I really like stuff like that. Then it's a book that you should definitely read, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're someone who doesn't like stuff like that, maybe it's a book that you should avoid. But I, I, like we always say, it's something you have to decide for yourself. Um, it was, it was too, I will say this too. Um, on a positive note, um, I agree with you guys said about the art. I think the art is great. Uh, and there's also, you know, a lot of times in some of these books, there's these uh, design like credits and stuff, design mm-hmm. logo. This one's Tom Muller. And I want to say that I think that the design of the cover and of sort of the the title pages of the book and stuff like that is is really, really good. It's really effective. It's, it's it, it evokes a great emotion and it's very appealing. Like I'm looking at the book itself. I wanted to read it because... I loved the way it was designed and, and laid out. So I just wanted to say that because I don't, that doesn't usually happen in books, but for me, it definitely happened in, in the violent. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, this might be one of those things where this story is not my cup of tea, but maybe the next story in, in this anthology is a story I do want to read about. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see what, how that goes. But uh, let me go to Twitter right now and read some of our, our, our reactions from there. Um, Mike, who's at Liberal Bastion, says, very well written and good art. Not exactly sunshine and lollipops, though, was it? Um, Jason Query says, forced melodrama combined with an anticipatable plot makes for a weak issue. Uh, Red X con stories like this before, uh, so he did not like it. Uh, Jesse Bowden says, nope, can't do it. For the same reason I can't watch Breaking Bad. It's a great story, but it's too real and it stresses me out. Um, Jack Assassin, who's at the Brad Pinder, says, a little predictable, but entertaining. Love the art. Sets the proper mood. I'm, I'm very in for the next few. It has me hooked. Um, so thank you very much to those who who, who wrote in for our, our Talking Comics book of the week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so next week we're not really doing, we're not recording like a regular show. Um, we've got, uh, we're going to be recording our comics of the year stuff um, on Sunday. And obviously that will, that will come out kind of between kind of Christmas and New Year's. But the holidays fall in sort of weird places this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we will, we're going to, we're going to throw something together for Tuesday. It's going to be a little bit different. I don't know what it's going to be. If people are around, they're around. If not, if not, you know, it, um, it's just one of those things. So, uh, Bob, I'm going to be doing a little history for you guys. He, he, 
uh, Stephanie threw that on his plate today. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm sure whoever ends up being here will talk about Star Wars <laughs> if we've yeah. seen it. But uh, yeah, so this is kind of the last like normal show for, for the year. Um, but we'll hear us a lot more before the end of the year because we have next week and then we have however many hours of podcasts we record on Sunday that will go up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release them a little bit differently this year. I'm not going to release them like week, week, week. I'm probably going to release two a week or something oh. like that. Ooh. Maybe more than that, you know. So Just because you have the holidays being on weekends. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so it might end up being, you know, we might it might end up equal us end up taking a week off or something in there. But I think what's kind of happened over the last couple of years is I've gotten some feedback. People are like, it's just they like all the shows but they're too spread out and it's like and so they can't you keep the thread and remember, yeah exactly and also they lose kind of interest in like a best of the year after like a month you know so uh I'll probably release them maybe like depending we, we, who knows how we record three or four probably I'll, re- I'll maybe we'll release them one day every day of a week or something like that so Ooh. people can get talking comics I every like day oh yeah. snap yeah and we're doing this a little differently like you'll hear it first kind of on the games podcast because we're gonna do a top 10 um, list for the games podcast and, and argue it down and, and order it like a top 10 like we uh um instead of just doing a, a top five i like how we're using the term argue instead of delivery yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> done this a few times now so what do you mean we'll still do still do sort of the normal thing what you do is which we'll pick all the the, the categories and pick all the nominees uh for the normal categories and we'll we'll kind of get our lit our, our 10 comics for the the, be- the best of talking comics and then we'll for the award show night we'll kind of, we'll, we'll do the debate and order them that night so we oh. have time to all read them and stuff so we can still do that because I like the fact that we get to sit down and have a couple weeks to read them and and really make um, sort of right. And if we reduce it to that ten, it's possible to do yeah exactly as opposed to the Ex- fifty the huge the, list yeah, or whatever crazy. yeah exactly yeah. this is gonna be tough for me man I'm gonna be working a lot off of memory for these discussions I can't <laughs> bring everything with me to Canada yeah, that's true write some stuff down I usually have a whole t- I got no time we'll figure it out <laughs> you know time to write. I got, I got it. I'm busy, okay. man. I will count up all the words that you tweet or face or put on Facebook, and I'll be like, you could have used this time to write lists. Lots. <laughs> um, yeah, and so uh, I'm pretty sure I th- we're, we're, we're we're pretty confirmed that Mara and Joey will be Joey nice. Mara Wood and Joey Bertino will be joining us for the end of the year discussion. So it should be good times. Yeah. And yeah, if you guys haven't noticed, um, uh, the site. The content on the site has ramped itself up in the last uh, the last week or so, and that's a big, big part to, to Stephanie. Uh, she has been taking the reins and kind of doing the, the day-to-day and assigning articles and, and pushing people to write and writing a lot of stuff herself, uh, which has been awesome. And uh, she's sort of getting the gears moving, but as as we go on to the next year, you're going to see that coming kind of from everybody. So uh, I want to say thank you publicly to Stephanie for, for, for doing that. Amen. Um, Indeed. Um the site is gonna be great. <laughs> um, and look for you know more content coming over a bunch of different stuff. We we again I, I teased last week. We have a little of an announcement. We still are not ready to do that kind of publicly yet. But in, in I think on in the new right of the new year, we'll kind of tell everybody what's what's the deal. So look for that. Ooh, um, what's going on? Yeah. So it should be fun. It's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be an exciting year uh for the site and uh big things coming uh that site is talkingcomicbooks.com you should go there yes (laughs) check out all our stuff there's again there's there's reviews there's articles um we got some listicles up there as well listicles listicles that's what they're called when they're lists but they're not just one two three four five they have like things basically what cracked makes their money on yeah cracked and buzzfeed stuff like that um listicles uh so check check those out 
It's like a cyst, but okay, I guess not. <laughs> uh, also, check out, of course, the bevy of, of podcasts. The Misfits are right in the middle of their sort of um, end of the year discussions. You did, you guys did movie, movie, no, TV shows nope. and games. We did, yeah. TV shows and games. And you're yep. doing comics this week? We are doing one of those things. <laughs> I'm not sure which. We look for a top five this <laughs> this coming week. Yes. There's top five. Yes, uh, check those out for sure. Um, we like... are going to be joined by, I believe, um, the Saints creator. Um, what's his name? Sean. Yeah, creator of that thing that does that thing. It's good, Sean. That fellow. That's ah, good, Sean Lewis. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's cool stuff. Ooh, and speaking, just this is coming back to the violent. Later today on the site, there will be an interview with Adam Corum. Yes. Ooh. Stephanie did an email interview with Adam, right? Yeah, because he's old and doesn't understand technology. <laughs> he's not really old. He's just silly. <laughs> um, uh, Bronwyn was on the games podcast. Uh, yes, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Stephanie sent me one of the answers that Adam did to a question today via text, and people yeah. should definitely check the interview out because it's pretty yeah. pretty good. I, I managed to insert some um, signature shenanigans into even a uh, email interview, so doesn't surprise me. I know, right? Surprise me. <laughs> uh as we said a couple times early in the show talking games it's it's game of the year time so oh yeah i'll be joining the crew uh this week for game of the year deliberations you had that up again this year yeah i'll do it nice yeah i'll take the reins on that um we, we'll be we'll be going we'll make a list of 10 games we've got a we have a google doc of about 20 ish games that we're going to whittle down to 10 and then order those 10 so uh it's gonna be fun there's gonna be some <laughs> the knives will definitely come out yeah. at some point <laughs> oh man uh, i am both looking forward and not looking forward. it's like my to favorite this. thing to do in the world oh, this is like my favorite it gets me so excited i love doing shit like this um so you give a little you take a little yeah yeah it's like playing avalon it's like you gotta yeah, look. that's right <laughs> I think in this conversation, Jackie's the bad guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So uh, we're, we're doing that on that show. Obviously, uh, talking movies. Uh, they're just wrapping up their Sam Mendes series. Uh, they just did Road to Perdition. Uh, there's a podcast that we recorded together that'll be coming out. I think next week. I believe it's next week or the week after. I'm not sure. It's right before New Year's, um, where we do our, we. Last year we did our top ten movies of 2004 to celebrate like the, the ten year anniversary. This year we did 2005, obviously right under the wire, two days before the <laughs> end of the year. Um, so that's done. Uh, talking shoujo, of course. Um, and uh, did I miss talking valiant? valiant? Talking, I said talking valiant, didn't I? You did. No, I thought I said it in my brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be like me, man. And then it said out loud, talking valiant as as well. So check that out. Um, so uh, also for our Patreon, $25 and up Patreon members, our, our exclusive, your exclusive podcast is out. We're sorry that it's been uh, such a long time, but uh, you hear our Batman v Superman trailer reactions yeah. and also our favorite Christmas movies of all time on that business. So check that out. Uh, if you're not already subscribed to the Patreon, you should definitely do that. Um, yeah. Uh, if you want to follow us uh, personally, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve. Uh, I am at dead underscore anchorus. Seventy. I am at Hello Cookie. Because no, I'm silly like Adam Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. <laughs> um, yeah, and so yeah, we're 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 aiming towards it. It's now I can just fully think. Actually, no, tomorrow we have to, I think about video games, and then once we're done with tomorrow, I can think about Star Wars exclusively <laughs> for at least a day. And comic books. Yeah, but I, I get Thursday to just think about Star Wars, and All then right. I go back comic books on Friday. All right. Um, Star Wars pushes off the other stuff just for just that little bit of time. 
so yeah um so yeah we're heading towards that so next week yeah we'll we'll, we'll have some something for you not a traditional show but we'll, we'll throw something together for you guys and then after that you'll hear our um end of the year deliberations which should be a fun fun time <laughs> but look the last last year went very nicely yeah but we have two new civil, we, have, we have two new right? sharks in the water this year though we're gonna have to you know watch our loins we the, the the thing the reason that last year was more civil is because we've learned to not get our feelings hurt by people not liking the things that we like yes and i'm not saying and it's not like Mar and Joey don't have thick skins and i'm sure they do but like it's different when you're talking with people that like normally it's very yeah it's very cordial with when you're like that book is terrible <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> dare what. you put that on a list <laughs> exactly it should be fun um it's, it's this time bob and i can just can just scheme in private because uh, yeah. we're, we're the only ones in the room <laughs> hold up signs everybody else will be via skype crush his, crush his book crush his book yeah <laughs> should video skype so i can see your faces uh, but that's gonna do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve, look into my eyes and vote for my book. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, bye. And Bob. Oh, this is gonna be tough. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>